0: Please do keep your Bibles open on Lamentations chapter one and let me lead us in a prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word that is living and active and speaks to us today. We pray that you would help us to listen to what you have to say to us this day. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, we're thinking about Lamentations chapter one. The title, Will Anyone Comfort Me? I think uh, most people, if you showed them uh, this picture on the next slide uh, on the left hand side, uh, would be able to recognize Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. What about the picture just to the right? Uh, The next picture, it's from the Himalayas, that mountain range, the same one, but it's a stunning valley. The Kali Gandaki Gorge. Everyone knows about the tallest mountains in the world, but few give much attention to the valleys. And in life, we'll have all had uh, at some point and to different degrees, mountaintop experiences. Those times in life where we feel on top of the world. Maybe it's because there's been a special occasion or milestone celebrated in our life. But we can often find it harder to acknowledge and navigate those times where we find ourselves in the deep valleys, the deep valleys of life. When we're really struggling, when we don't feel or we can't see like there's a way out. But when we come to God's word, the Bible, uh, the journey through the valley and how we uh, navigate it is given much time and attention. And even that fact alone shows us that God cares about our struggles and our pain. I don't know how you've been feeling uh, over the past year uh, during the coronavirus pandemic. Possibly you've been feeling a whole mix and range of emotions at different times. Some people I've spoken to uh, have really found it quite difficult. They've been quite low uh, and struggled. Perhaps some have had family members who've Uh, been sick or even passed away perhaps they've had mental health or uh, financial struggles maybe even spiritual struggles others have actually felt quite guilty as I've spoken to them about um, how this past year has actually been quite a good year for them they've been able to spend more time uh, with family and and go out on lovely walks each day whatever your experience of the past 12 months um, and wherever you're at now This language of lament, which is uh, prevalent throughout the book of Lamentations, is vital prayer language uh, for the Christian. It's so important that we learn how to lament. And as we look at Lamentations chapter one, uh, hopefully you'll get a window into that this morning. It may be uh, what you need right now, this language of lament in prayer to to cry out to God in the midst of pain. Or it may be that actually you're you're in one of those mountaintop places and you think, I'm going to put this uh, tool lamenting and I'm going to put it in my toolbox uh, for a time when I do hit a deep, dark valley. And I can get it out ready as I pray to my father in heaven. Well, wherever you're at and however you're feeling right now, I do pray that this will be a helpful uh, time for you today. So uh, this book of poetry is set in the aftermath of the invasion of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. They were the enemies of Judah. Judah is part of the southern kingdom of Israel and its capital is Jerusalem, which we can see depicted in this picture engulfed in flames. You can read more uh, on the background of the fall of Jerusalem in 2 Kings chapter 25 or in the final chapter of jeremiah jeremiah 52 jeremiah had warned about this event happening but nobody listened he warned israel against going against the babylonians but they didn't listen and so a name that that may be familiar to you king nebuchadnezzar uh, the king of babylon he had the city of jerusalem under siege for 18 months food was scarce Nobody dared leave for fear of their life. And uh, verse 20 in our passage today highlights the desperation the people found themselves in. They had a terrible choice the choice between staying within the city walls and starving to death, or leaving the city and being killed by the sword. Many had to stay inside until they couldn't take it any longer as Judah's army advanced and they fled and were captured by the babylonian army look at that the city engulfed in flames in our picture they came in and they set fire to the city burning the temple disaster had struck and so the author of this book uh, lamentations was most likely the prophet jeremiah one of the survivors taken into exile and at the very least his soul is wounded by grief and uh, he really speaks for the city a city shattered and wounded uh, those left behind and it shows us just how horrible and how terrible suffering can be and what do human beings do in the face of such terrible suffering well we weep don't we they wept This Old Testament um, book comes with a few warnings from the outset, and I've already alluded to some some terrible things that happened. But this book contains graphic descriptions of the horrors of war. It's not easy, uh, gentle afternoon reading with a cup of tea and a hobnob. No, this is uh, hard reading. And this book must be read as poetry. That is the genre it's written in. It's not a piece of non-fiction writing laying out all the facts but no this is a book of real human emotion nothing held back and questions are raised that are difficult questions of God that are not necessarily true of who he is but it's how the writer feels questions such as are you even there have you abandoned us God it raises difficult questions about uh, God's sovereignty and, and suffering Often the question is asked, why does God allow suffering? Well, in this specific case, in Lamentations, uh, the people know the answer to that and we will come on to that. But the question more is, God, how could you allow it to get this bad? That's the question that we're dealing with here. And this book needs to be read in the context of the Bible as a whole. That's really important. We need to remember we have a great saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. We mustn't leave him out. Uh, weeping comes to all of us at times in life. It's not the end of the journey for the Christian believer, so we must remember that that there's a wider story, in a wider context, to this book. Well, the preacher and author uh, Christopher Wright says that Lamentations is probably the darkest book in the whole Bible, and probably for that reason, it's probably the most neglected book as well. We don't hear many worship songs. Uh, do we starting with the words "My groans are many, and my heart is faint"? Not exactly uh, a song that people be excited about singing, but it's real, and we need to be able to sing songs of lament when all that we seem to possess is is sorrow and pain. This book has been described as being like a memorial. Here's a memorial that I visited. Uh, it's in Berlin, and it's a memorial to the murdered Jews of Europe, there's over 2,700 concrete slabs, Uh, a memorial to the horrendous atrocities that occurred during the Second World War. And this memorial, like other memorials, says we must not forget the human suffering that happened. This is real human beings made in the image of God, human beings like us. We must not forget, we must remember. How do people even process an event like that well when we think about uh, grief what do we need most we need comforts we need comfort in our grief and uh, Mark Vagrop in his book uh, speaking about lamentations and and about lamenting dark clouds deep mercy speaks of the fact that to cry is uh, human but to lament is to cry out to God in trust in the midst of pain the very fact that these words of lament are recorded for us in the book of lamentation shows an ongoing relationship between uh, the narrator and the lord and we have that for ourselves even if at times we might be taken aback by some of the things that he says of course we all have our uh, own experiences of grief and suffering some are more uh, raw than others we live in a world of suffering. And this book is uh, meant to increase our heart and our compassion for others who are suffering. So this question uh, in chapter one, as the the capital city, Jerusalem, capital city of Judah, uh, weeps, is this. Will anyone comfort me? Will anyone comfort me? This question largely remains unanswered in chapter one. But we'll see, there are some uh, clues as we go along. Thinking about uh, Lamentations as a book, uh, really its peak is in the middle chapters, in chapter three. And there are some well-known verses about God's faithfulness and his mercy. Um, but it's set uh, in, with a backdrop, a dark canvas, those glorious words. So as we dive into chapter one, uh, what's going on? Well, the poet, uh, the writer introduces Jerusalem as a woman, a woman called Daughter Zion. And there's this personification going on, uh, which vividly vividly describes how she's feeling and what's happened to her. By the odd uh, interruption, this is the pattern. Verses 1 to 11, the poet speaks of Lady Zion, Daughter Zion in the third person. In verses 12 to 22, he lets her the city speak for herself and it's interesting to note God doesn't interrupt, but he is listening throughout to the suffering and pain of the city. So we see first of all in verses one to 11 Jerusalem cries, Jerusalem cries. Jerusalem weeps uh, bitterly over the devastation and that's the right reaction, isn't it? If we think about it, your home has been destroyed. Friends, maybe even family members, have been killed. Uh, women will have been assaulted against their will. The place you went to worship has been set on fire, and it's not just your home that's been destroyed. The whole nation has been ripped from underneath itself. This is a crisis that would affect every aspect of your being. Uh, you you would have been physically hurt at some point in the invasion, no doubt. Uh, mentally scarred psychologically impacted not to mention spiritually how would the people have been feeling questions how could my all-powerful god allow the place where he dwells the holy of holies within the temple to be desecrated and so jerusalem cries it seems verse two that there is no one to comfort her instead of trusting the lord uh, judah had trusted in many lovers and friends, as they're described, other nations, which they were warned not to make allies with. But the nations, no other nations came to their rescue to bring comfort to their suffering. Uh, Have a look down at that verse, Lamentations 1, verse 2. She, Jerusalem, weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. And so there's a picture here. There's a picture in the Bible, isn't there, of a marriage between God and his people. Well, Lady Zion has committed adultery, going off with other nations. And as well as no comfort, we see that that following the invasion, the people have been taken into exile away from the land that God had given them judah had gone into exile not only that the leaders had fled the enemy verse five they're like deer that find no pasture they fled without strength before the pursuer the leaders have left and they've left some of the most vulnerable people behind vulnerable to attack truly shocking and those who are left behind verse 11 struggle to survive All her people groan, we read, as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food and shockingly, uh, one commentator suggests that treasures here could mean their own children. They traded treasures for food to revive their strength. Don't get much worse than this. But what is key then is in verse eight, as we read that Jerusalem has sinned greatly or grievously we have to be careful we have to take a, a pause just here to remember that whenever we face suffering we mustn't be too quick to jump to the conclusion that this suffering is occurring because of a specific sin or uh, because god is judging a person that's not always the case and we think of the tower of siloam uh, in recorded in luke 13 where jesus says those 18 who died when the tower of siloam Fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than the others living in Jerusalem? Same city, many years later. I tell you, no, says Jesus, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Jesus was saying that we're all sinners. We all need to repent. Uh, But also that it's wrong to assume that victims of suffering in this world are somehow worse sinners than everyone else. No, we live uh, in a broken world. In this case here, in the book of Lamentations, the city understood why they were suffering. God had brought judgment upon them. God used the pagan nation uh, Babylon as a vessel to an instrument to judge the sin of his people. And the people knew that because God had given them strict instructions, uh, being his uh, covenant people, to follow his ways. And they had not done so. So although it didn't come as a surprise to them, this judgment, the effects were catastrophic. And so we see in these first 11 verses uh, a great withdrawal of blessing, a devastating reversal. Have a look here as we just see the great contrast that takes place. A city once full of people is now deserted, verse one. And uh, if you remember at the beginning of the, the coronavirus pandemic, Uh, the city of Wuhan was first impacted by uh, the pandemic and we saw those empty streets eerily quiet deserted give us a picture of what this would have been like a once great nation now a widow princess among the provinces now a slave busy festivals now empty roads and again even in the UK uh, particularly in the first lockdown we got used to having empty roads but second lockdown we've not really seen that as much but this Jerusalem was full of busy and vibrant festivals the roads are now empty eerily quiet their foes have become their masters verse five they were full of splendor and majesty they're now mocked the city once honored is now despised verse eight and the treasures have been taken by the enemy verses seven and ten and um it's very interesting you can read about those treasures in the book of Daniel and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is involvement. so a devastating reversal as Jerusalem cries but as we look at verses 20, 12 to 22 we see that Jerusalem cries out because in grief we have to uh consider don't we where do we turn or, or who do we turn to when we are Overwhelmed with grief, do we withdraw? Do we just pretend everything's OK? Do we go it alone? Do we give up altogether? Or, and there is another option: do we pour out our hearts to God, whats and all? And that's what we see here as Jerusalem laments. Jerusalem, she cries out to God, And the narrator, the poet, uh, speaking for the nation cries out to god too firstly we see that jerusalem cries out to a god who is sovereign and has brought about their judgment now these verses may be difficult hard for us to read but in a kind of paradoxical way comfort comes from knowing that nothing absolutely nothing is outside of the mighty hands of god If he has brought it, he can stop it. If he can use pagan nations, then surely he can use his people once again. It's easier for us to see from our aerial perspective, looking back, looking down on these things. For the people, it must have been so tough to see any hope or a way out. But 70 years later, God would bring them back to the land raises huge questions but it reminds us that God as well as being loving and kind and faithful is also holy and awesome and he will not tolerate sin he will in the end keep his promises and rightfully judge sin but here we look here we see uh, the way in which God is sovereign in this situation verse 5 the Lord has afflicted her Verse 12, the suffering which the Lord inflicted, it's clear that it was the Lord who brought it about. From on high, he sent fire. He caused my strength to fail. The Lord has trodden. The Lord has commanded against Jacob. My enemies, they're they're glad that you've done it, as you've dealt with me because of all my transgressions. Jerusalem cries out. Uh, feeling weighed down but recognizing that god is sovereign he's completely in control and as jerusalem cries out jerusalem cries out saying look O lord and see for i'm despised verse 11 but jerusalem cries out to all people to look upon her suffering and that includes us that includes us today Take it in this memorial book of lamentations remember that we mustn't take suffering lightly we need to remember that we mustn't take god lightly as his people did that we need to take him at his word and jerusalem cries out to all people to look upon her suffering jerusalem also cries out in distress over her sin and that's the right response i'm In torment within and in my heart, I'm disturbed for I've been most rebellious, says Lady Zion. Well, we know, don't we, the heart of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ calls us to humble ourselves, to recognise our desperate need for God, to recognise that I'm I'm a great sinner in need of an even greater saviour. Lady Zion cries out in desperation. And she cries out, she cries out to the Lord who is righteous. This is a a rare shining golden nugget in amongst the darkness. Verse 18 in the ESV says the Lord is in the right in the NIV. The Lord is righteous. And We need to pause there before we read the next bit. The Lord is righteous. A great truth that Jerusalem could proclaim in the midst of this tragedy a great truth that we know today the lord will always do what is right let's take that in god's justice has prevailed god is right to bring judgment for persistent rebellion against him sin is justly punished but we can say the lord is righteous Christopher Wright reminds us in his commentary that the God whose righteousness has sent her into exile would in his righteousness bring her back. The God of Israel is as righteous in salvation as in judgment. What a great thing to hold on to that we can praise God that he is as righteous in salvation as in judgment. And Lady Zion prays. For the day of the Lord, for Jerusalem, this would be uh, the day that God brings justice to to our enemies. And for New Testament believers, the day of the Lord is when Jesus Christ returns to judge the living and the dead and to exercise his perfect justice. How we look forward, how we long for that day. At this point, it's important for us to ask, when did I last weep? When was I last full of sorrow? for the evil and suffering in this world i know for me it should have been a lot more recent than it was but we look to god we praise god that eternity is only moments away when he will exercise perfect judgment so we can leave the justice to him so as we think about god's word applied what does this mean for us today what does this mean for me well may god by his spirit do the applying and work in our hearts but here are a few thoughts firstly suffering is to be acknowledged and remembered as a difficult and painful reality of this broken world verse 12 Lady Zion invites us to look and see her suffering we must acknowledge suffering not try and Uh, hide ourselves away from it but we must uh, ask God to help us to take stock of a situation whether that be suffering in our own lives or suffering in the lives of others we mustn't ignore it or pretend it's not there it's real and it hurts secondly our sin should disturb us Verse 20, my stomach churns, my heart is wrung within me because I've been very rebellious. It should disturb us and it should move us then to confess our sins to the Lord. The Lord is in the right or righteous for I've rebelled against his words. So important that we confess our sins to the Lord. That we recognize he is holy and perfect. But that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, says 1 John. Because we know that the Lord Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for our sins. Next, we must turn to the Lord and not to the world in times of great trouble. It's a great temptation, isn't it? Remember, Jerusalem turned to idolatrous nations that God told them not to. Well, the temptation for us is to look for quick fixes for our grief rather than first turning to the Lord. We come to him in lament and pour out our hearts to him in prayer. Of course, then we get medical help if we're really struggling uh, with mental health issues or uh, or other issues. And we need it. We can talk to people, people we trust. But first and foremost, we must turn to the Lord. In all of this, the Lord sees, hears and weeps with us. And there's real comfort for our sorrows. The prophet Isaiah, as you'll see the words on the screen, uh, speaks words of comfort from the Lord to Jerusalem in that situation. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned that she's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Well, there is hope in the midst of great pain and suffering. With God, there is always hope. And the greatest comfort of all is knowing that our sin has been paid for. The context here was that God's people have been punished for their sins and Isaiah could now speak of comfort. But today, all who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that he suffered in our place, that he took the punishment that our sins deserve on the cross, we do not need to face the judgment of God. What a great truth that is. That Jesus, who wept for his friend Lazarus, the Jesus who wept for this very city, Jerusalem, the Jesus who wept in the garden on his way to the cross, demonstrating God's great love for us, The Jesus who cried out on that cross under the judgment of his father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jerusalem sinned greatly. I and we have sinned greatly. But friends, we have an even greater saviour. The saviour who weeps with us, who died for us and who comforts us by his spirit in our troubles. Let's praise God for his word to us. Let me lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you've given us this language of lament, that you want us to come to you honestly and humbly, pouring out our hearts to you in the midst of great trouble. We thank you that there is comfort for our sorrows, that you are with us in the midst and that you, In sending your son, the Lord Jesus, have provided for our greatest need, our need of a saviour. We thank you and praise you this day and ask that you'll help us to humbly uh, come to you in dependence and prayer. And that we'd never try and go it alone, but that we would uh, come to you in the midst of all our challenges in this life. In Jesus name, we ask for your help by your spirit. Amen.